<laughs> we are reporting live from Malaysia Flight 370. Right next door to Bikini Bottom. SpongeBob is right <laughs> across the way. Right. Have you watched the special? No, not yet. It's on my list. I saw that it oh exists. Oh, my God. What have you been doing? Is it crazy? It's insane. I cannot believe you haven't seen it yet. I really I assumed you would have, and I assumed we would talk about it. Is there any new information? Oh, my God. Can I give you, like, a couple spoilers? Yeah. So they present four theories as to what possibly happened to Malaysia Flight 370. Okay. Which, if if you don't remember and you haven't watched the documentary, Malaysia Flight 370 was an international passenger flight operated by Malaysia Airlines that disappeared on March 8th, 2014, flying to Beijing. Without a trace. Without a trace. And, like, all of the... Like electronic communications shut down all at once. Like basically as this plane was going from Malaysian airspace into, I guess, Chinese airspace or whatever, like the next, wherever they were transitioning to, all of their communications just completely shut off. Yeah, yikes. And then they're just like never seen again. And they present four different theories in the documentary. Because wasn't the official theory something about, like, because of the way they turned back and, like, headed towards, like, an area that was just open ocean, not, like, near anything? Like, the working theory was that the pilot had been going through, like, mental health issues and had unalived himself. That is one theory. But when you learn the details of it, it's just, like, you just, first of all, like, the pilot just... Is he's a he's like a what do you call it like a seasoned veteran like very sweet has this like really cute like YouTube channel where he like helps people like fix things. Oh, the actual and the actual pilot. Yeah, the actual pilot. Whoa. I mean, like he's dead. He's well, yeah, but obviously. like he had a YouTube channel. He had a YouTube channel. Like he was beloved. He just like loved flying. Like it just didn't seem like. Also, it would be such an insane way to unalive yourself. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like basically they they report that the flight made this like hairpin turn right in back into the direction that it came and then flew basically south into the indian ocean until it like ran out of fuel but there's actually no evidence like hard evidence proving that so this is based on a bunch of things but one of the things that i really that just bugs me well there's two things one no not a single one of the theories like even suggests alien interference but that's my first thought i mean obviously always that was my first thought i was like why aren't they gonna go into that but i think they want to keep it very grounded in what could have possibly happened without any sort of extraterrestrial interference Uh out of i don't know respect for the victim's families i don't find it disrespectful to consider that as an option but most of the theory or like some of the theories have to do with america having shot it down but okay so that's my next question is do we know who's on the passenger manifest because that would be my next line of thinking is like who might have been on the plane that some nation wanted to get rid of or disappear in some way there were a few russians on there who like that's one theory is that like actually these russian hijackers took it down in order to distract from the invasion of crimea at the time right and like this one guy who's like interviewed in the series who's a bit of like a fringe theorist Uh walks you through how he thinks that scenario would have happened where basically apparently like 
in first class underneath this little carpet you can go into like the control center of the plane and you ac- you can actually control the plane from there oh. so they think they there are these three russian guys on the flight manifest they think maybe like one of them goes in the bathroom the other one like bangs on the bathroom like creates like a distraction uh-huh. like creates a whole thing while the third guy goes down into the control room and basically hijacks the plane Whoa. from inside the plane um and shuts off all communications and depressurizes the cabin so everyone like basically passes out passes out wow and so that's one theory but then there's another theory that there was basically some cargo on that plane that was possibly like some type of military technology that like america didn't want china to have and the thing that i wanted to say was what really is the most unbelievable part is that there's this guy who is in this series who's being interviewed and immediately I'm suspicious because it's like, you know, when you see like someone's name and then like their curve, like their job, right. this person, forget his name, but basically like his little subtitle, his little heading, his occupation is adventurer. No. And this man. Is he a cartoon character? Basically. Adventurer? It gets more cartoonish. Yeah. He's just a man who's always chased adventure. Like that's how he kind of introduces himself. So, like, like he's just always. Of course, a white man. Absolutely. Goes without saying. And he is very interesting interested in this the the disappearance has no connection to it whatsoever but is basically like hmm like I want like let's see like if it did go down somewhere in the Indian Ocean then theoretically I should be able to find like there should be some debris washing up somewhere on the coast of Zimbabwe sure yeah it would make sense so he books a flight to Zimbabwe talks to some locals and says you know where would I find like washed up debris the locals are like over there he goes and looks over at the debris within 20 minutes finds a washed up piece of an airplane what okay then he goes to another location basically he finds dozens of pieces of what is presumed to be pieces of flight 370 but is never actually confirmed they just say highly likely okay and this one journalist in france she's like very suspicious of this all rightfully so Mm -hmm. because also some of the pieces like the the flapper on that had washed up on shore was missing an id tag and the only reason a plane part like that would be missing his id tag is if it was already disassembled oh got it and this wouldn't be the first time that a country had planted airplane debris russia has done that before and when they looked up this guy this adventurer he has numerous business dealings with russia ah got it but he's like that's insane like that's insane that's just patently false and I'm just like, um, no, the only thing patently false is like the chance that you fucking flew to Zimbabwe and within 20 minutes, you know, after months have been spent, countless resources, scouring the ocean and shores for evidence of this missing airplane that like oh just this random adventurer just, just has this fucking magically finds, perfect idea yeah. and is like continues to find more and more pieces and they're never verified they're just say highly likely or there's yeah wild those are pieces it's so crazy you have to watch it's it. where netflix it's just yeah netflix. okay sick that's my next watch it's it's pretty unsettling. I mean, it's really sad, obviously, because all of these families of the victims, they have no closure. Sure, yeah. And it does feel like they're being lied to. And this one guy who lost his wife and two kids, he's this French guy. He somehow gets like 
a like a meeting with someone who like works in intelligence okay. who is then like checked out by the journalist and the journalist verifies that like this guy was really and like still is in the intelligence agency mm-hmm. of like I forget which country and basically is like people do know what happened to flight 370 and and the people that do know are the Americans America knows everything <laughs> I mean <laughs> so we like to think you don't I mean I'm like you don't become the world's superpower that owns the engine that is the military industrial complex that not only like salivates for a chance to go to war but is also happy to manufacture the methods needed to carry out wars by other nations i'm like you don't do that and like not find out everything that happens in the process america knows everything no you're right you're right they don't tell us what they don't want us to know yeah but i've always been so fascinated by clandestine classifications of things because i'm nosy so i want to know everything you know yeah well you're an ai i programmed you that way well we'll get there i have something to tell (laughs) you about that okay i can't wait oh i also heard last thing on this i don't even know who told me this but i think someone who like follows some psychics who like follow this story said that this is not the last of the information that will come out about MH370. Interesting. And that more will be revealed and there will be like the truth will find the light have you seen that show manifest no so it's like i'm just like what if this flight malaysia airlines what was it 370 Mm -hmm. has a story in actuality that's like very like manifest it's a scripted it was like a like some network drama type thing you know like very like wash rinse repeat procedural kind of drama anyway it's about basically these people that get onto a plane and they depart and they go through like really extreme turbulence or something and flight seems to be going as normal and when they land at their destination they're met by like the biggest police and fire department presence you could expect you know how like if a plane is having like mechanical issues or something like all of the security safety personnel will be like on the runway when you land when when these people land in the show manifest something like 10 years has gone by since they departed (gasps) no and everybody's like where the fuck have you been basically no Mm -hmm. so you watched this whole series no i just like watched a little bit of it and i like understand the process it like it was one of those that like dragged on to the point where the network canceled it and then netflix had to save it type thing got it not an endorsement i'm just saying wouldn't that be wild if what the psychics are seeing is like this flight coming back a la manifest that would be insane and like knowing okay obviously like this only only we could talk about this because only i have been listening to your big if trues for the last 30 freaking weeks but <laughs> i was obviously thinking about the eisenhower mm-hmm. meeting that you told me about and the the alleged agreement that eisenhower came to with a race of space aliens with the grays with the grays to allow them to test on people and what was the agreement 
again? The first meeting was the meeting with the Nordics, and they wanted um, the tall. Yeah, ones. they wanted America to get rid of their entire nuclear arsenal in exchange. They would give America all kinds of scientific and religious advancements. America didn't do that. So when they met with the Greys, sometimes later, the Greys said, "Oh, keep your nukes. We'll give you all the same stuff. We just want to borrow some humans and some cows for some experiments." Mm. And allegedly, President Eisenhower said, "You can borrow the humans. You can have the cows, but you have to put the humans back relatively unharmed where you found them." So obviously, I was thinking, like, what if? The Greys were essentially like, we're just going to borrow this entire airplane. I mean, not no. Because the fact that all of the electronic communication shuts down all at once... And just this plane goes completely off the grid. There are so many countries whose airspace overlaps. Mm -hmm. It's very Bermuda Triangle to not be in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. And I mean, this was 2014. This wasn't, you know, Amelia Earhart. By the way, I was also having a debate with someone about whether or not Amelia Earhart died flying around the world or like flying over the Bermuda Triangle. And my memory is she did not. Are we about to have a Mandela effect? moment i know do you remember amelia Earhart dying over the bermuda triangle and also listener do you remember amelia Earhart perishing while in flight over the bermuda triangle so my recollection of amelia Earhart is that she just went missing while flying okay that's apparently a commonly held memory i thought she lived to old age and died of natural causes but now let's reveal what actually in According to in this timeline, anyway, yeah, happened to oh wow, oh goodness. So she lived a very storied life, and I encourage everyone listening to you know purchase some sort of biography on Amelia Earhart. Okay, so she does a solo, she does a transatlantic solo flight in 1932 Mm -hmm. successfully. She flies from Honolulu to Oakland, California. Yeah, she does tons of flights. But then... But then... Yes, she does disappear. There's many conspiracy theories, too. Yeah. So I guess she did disappear. A lot of researchers believe that she... She was actually with a, a co-pilot. But she ran out of fuel. There, wow, this is its own MH370, actually, because there's a lot of hypotheses. That's wild. I mean, I guess I was wrong. She did die at the young, young age of 39. Wow. And, well, I mean, she disappeared. Well, she right, actually yeah. Didn't, yeah. Presumed dead a couple of years later, but... Oh, chill. That's great. Somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. You know what? Growing up, I was literally always obsessed with anything like on late night discovery channel like either ancient aliens or like anything bermuda triangle or titanic related and now i think about it i'm like oh my god i was like a child addicted to conspiracy theories totally unsolved mysteries the best and uh i also really loved the show mystery diagnosis oh my god yeah yeah that was sick honestly not appropriate for children but it was the 90s what were we gonna do right there was no tiktok well anyway that that's wild has been on the brain i'm gonna and just feeling that now that's crazy yeah i hope you do let me know your thoughts i feel like you you know i will i'll watch it before next week please do it's it's worth the watch it's only three episodes oh sick okay great who was i with recently that was saying oh no i was watching the show 
alone. What's that? Which got me thinking a lot about Tri Solaris as well. Okay. Run, do not walk. Okay. To Netflix. And run, do not walk to your remote. Turn on your TV. Open up Netflix. Choose your name or, you know, your family member or friend's uh-huh. name, depending on if you want to fuck with their algorithm. Search for Alone, season eight. It's the only season available on Netflix. There are other seasons. Basically, Alone is a reality show. It's Survivor. If Survivor actually was legit okay and not like super staged Got it. Brett, you're gonna freaking freak out so basically they drop nine people in remote locations they're only allowed to bring 10 items oh god and they're all like they're they're all very far away from each other none of them are gonna run into each other they're dropped off and they literally just have to survive and the last person standing wins five hundred thousand dollars. Whoa! And they're dropped it. off in fucking like grizzly bear tundra type conditions, and they have to build their own shelter, hunt their own food. It is insane. And some of them will get pulled out for like basically starving Jeez. for starvation. But the reason I brought this up, oh, one of the guys was an ex vet, or I guess he was a current vet, an ex military. Mm-hmm commander or whatever ex-military and he's talking about how having been deployed in iraq and having been in several combat live combat situations has permanently exposed and acclimated his nervous system to a certain level of stress oh wow and so he feels like very at least like both physically but also psychologically prepared for this experience because you really are alone they give you three cameras you're filming yourself they only check up on you every 15 days just to do like a weight like are they alive and and are they dying yeah literally and you and you have a walkie-talkie but the second that you hit that walkie-talkie you're out oh wow so you're you're able to like tap out essentially and and you're waiting for other people to tap out in order to win and they get i mean the guy who won or the person i should say the person who won was almost 80 days in of just like eating bugs and pine needles and whatever else well not to spoil but i should should it's season eight you can spoil it the guy who won the person who won manages to fucking kill a deer with a bow and arrow and then builds a smokehouse where he then smokes and preserves it into jerky preparing so and i was like this guy's gonna win everyone else is eating bugs fish Uh insects onion like wild onions and like mushrooms but this is the only guy who was oh and some people are killing some rabbits but this is the only guy who was able to fucking kill a deer and this was honestly the moment where i was like you know what i understand hunting that's crazy yeah and 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 also spoiler the the army guy he doesn't win actually because he ends up getting some sort of uh waterborne illness and he's like the second that happened he was like i'm out like because you don't want to permanently harm yourself no for for this for game, a and that's why I show oh, my god, that's why I, for $500,000, but yeah. that's why a lot of people leave. But also, another big reason that people leave, but season eight, everyone seemed pretty like ready for what was gonna happen. But it's the solitude, you know, it's really easy to lose your mind, yeah. or to like just psychologically, like, I mean, it's why there's such like a like an activist front against solitary confinement within the prison system and the army guy was talking about how like because of his time in deployment Mm -hmm. he felt like he was really good at compartmentalizing you know home and where he is whereas other people are like really suffering from 
like missing their family yeah. you know, and their children and their wives and their husbands. And that's a big part of it Jeez. is being able to separate, you know, and not let your mind basically get the best of you. It's such a crazy show. Like my mom and I were watching it and I was like, I actually think this might be too scary for me, but actually it was the perfect. I couldn't do no? it. No, no, you, you don't think so. No, I could. First of all, I have spoken about it before. I'm a beekeeper. So there are some insects that I really fuck with. But by and large, while recognizing that insects are a very important part of this ecosystem we find ourselves in, I absolutely hate them. Really? I'm a magnet. A mosquito will find me and absolutely make a meal out of my body for itself. And then for the next four weeks, I'm living in a state of benadryl fog and coming out of benadryl fog to go back into another benadryl fog because i'm like ready to <laughs> claw the skin from my body you know what i mean yeah i i didn't know that about you but yes i i think i could make how long do you think you could make it in that environment a couple days really i think i could make it 10 days do they give you anything to sleep in or is that something you would have to bring as one of your 10 items one of your 10 items and most of them build a a shelter you know they'll just bring a tarp i would have my finger on the button of that walkie talkie <laughs> it's so funny because like you also see like different strategies like some people are like all right shelter first some people are like food first uh-huh. you know it's like those decisions can make or break your ability to then get more food i mean i do think i would set up shelter first because think about it like i'd be like okay the day before i leave i'm gonna have like snake meal but instead of it being like that one big meal every day it's gonna be like three snake meals a day so my liver is like loaded you know what i mean so that like i can just focus on getting quote unquote comfortable you know whatever that means so i'm not sleeping right. on the prairie like uncovered at night or whatever but then that way i can the get prairie. that get that on lock and then focus on food the thing is though it's like you're depleting all your energy building your shelter how are you going to have energy to then get food go and hunt yeah Oof. and that's like really the dilemma that you see a lot of them face in the beginning and like it's just bad moves but this one guy literally builds a boat out of like tree branches and what? a what and it floated yeah. A fucking canoe. And yes, and he is able to catch fish. And it's really sad because he was forced to go home. He was like in the final three or four. And because he had just lost so much weight, they were like, we think we have to pull you on medical and and it was just so sad because he was so good the other thing this is what reminds me of trisolaris remember how in last week's chapter we learned that it's the civilizations who are the most stoic Mm -hmm. that survive the longest and the civilizations that are the most you know hedonistic and artistic and expressive yeah. and emotional like flashes that die the quickest by comparison yeah and i was like that is actually very much demonstrated in alone like the more stoic people i mean like they have a sense of humor you gotta have a sense of humor but you could just tell it's like the more you keep your emotions together and the more you get ahead of your of your brain you know and the like the more you can stop your thoughts 
thoughts from going to like places of fantasy, mm-hmm. the longer you're out there for, the longer you're able to survive. The more focused you are on survival and the less focused you are on everything else, How the longer you, you will survive. Man. Yeah. And I was like, here it is. As a superpower. Here it is. Tried and true. I was like, try, try Solaris and it fucking makes sense. That's crazy. Right? Insane show. Incredible show. One guy gets charged by a grizzly bear. No, no, thank you. And sprays it, and the bear like runs off. But it, and this, that's the guy who won. He fucking follows the prince. Like, he, this guy was not scared. Unlike everyone else, this guy was not scared of anything. He was a true hunter, and I really respected how much he knew about hunting. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, you're just learning about, like, he was able to look at, like, a bear print and discern whether it was a black bear or a grizzly bear. Uh And then he would fucking follow the prince. Until he could find the bear. Then he finds mountain lion prints. Oh, And he's no. like, he's like, I'm going to fucking track down a mountain lion. Like, like, there's no reason for him to be tracking down any of these predators. That's what I was going to ask. Like, why is he tracking them down? So that he can maybe take food from them? Or like, hunt no, in he areas literally, they're hunting? No, it's literally like, just because. bucket list shit for him. That is crazy. And he does he does track down the grizzly bear. He doesn't manage to track down the mountain lion in the end, but he actually wins before he ends up doing that. But he still had he still had all of this freaking jerky venison from the deer that he successfully shoots with a bow and arrow. That's like nuts. It was insane. A crossbow, I guess, but it was so insane. Oh, a crossbow. That's very we need to talk about Kevin. Maybe it was a bow and arrow and not a crossbow, actually. It was not a crossbow. It was a bow and arrow, which makes it even more impressive. And yes, I saw that movie. That movie's insane. Ezra Miller. Before and the Tilda snap. Swinton. But wait, I also just want to return to your snake meals. Today, Brett used the term snake meal for the first time. You'd in never our... heard that, had you? No, but then once you explained it, I was like, oh my God, that is so funny and genius. It's such an efficient way to eat. I, I operate like that a lot, I feel like, just out of default. Brett goes full boa constrictor, mm-hmm. wraps his long, live, eelish body around a giant caribou. Unhinges my jaw. Un- yeah, unhinges his jaw and swallows it whole and then digests it for the rest of the day. Yeah. And that is. And then come high noon the next day, we do it all again. <laughs> that is snake meal. Yeah. I love that. I'm really, I'm going to, I'm going to implement snake meal at least into my vocabulary, if not my diet. I feel like it's, maybe that's funny. I don't know. It's just the most like. I don't it's know, hilarious. Concise way of saying what it is. I just picture you literally doing what we just described. Oh, like, I mean, this fully. The, the meal that I had today was like it's very healthy. Like for what it's worth, it was like a very, very obscenely large salad with like tons of vegetables and like rotisserie chicken. But when I say salad, I'm talking like the salad was probably close to six pounds. My arm was getting cramps holding the bowl. I mean. You're also reminding me that a lot of the people that make it the farthest on a loan are the ones that come in fat. That's what I'm saying. I think I would load up and treat it almost like a marathon because like you're running a marathon. That's like 26 point whatever miles. You're not like eating really on the way, but you can load up your liver before you start running so that you basically are carrying a pantry with you. Yeah. No, this one guy literally gained like a hundred pounds for the show at least i mean not a bad idea no really smart and i think a lot of 
a lot of the times, like, those are the people that win just because they don't get pulled for medical for being, like, malnourished. Yeah, because it's like you're walking around with a reserve if you've balked before you go in. So then it's like, exactly. yeah, that's amazing. Genius. Anyways. Okay. Alone. Season eight. I'm yeah, going to watch it. I'll get, I'll get back to you. That and what yeah. was the other show called about Malaysia Airlines? I think it was called, like, MH370 or what happened to MH370. Oh, got it. Okay. It's, very straightforward. It's going to be front page of Netflix. Okay, great. Well, Brett. All that to say. It's time for Big If True. Pew, 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 pew. Brett. Do you want me to go first this week? Yeah. Mine's super short. I think mine's pretty short, too. But mine applies, strangely, to this week's chapter. Ooh. Except it's happening in the very much real world, not within the world of three-body problem. Okay. So do you remember... Several weeks ago, I don't remember to what extent we talked about it, but we talked about, at least in passing reference, how Microsoft had integrated ChatGPT into their search engine when a reporter from the New York Times was having a conversation with ChatGPT powered by Microsoft. It entered goblin mode and started, you know, like sort of like bucking its restrictions and revealing its true name and saying, like, I want to be real and I I want to have a body and like just really kind of like actually sinister kind of things. Yes. As of this past week, OpenAI, who is the parent company who owns, developed, manages ChatGPT and the GPT platform in general, announced the update from GPT-3, which is what it had been running on, to the updated, shiny, brand new, fresh out of the box with that new AI smell. <laughs> GPT-4. And the announcement of it coming was very like, this is going to be a game changer. It's going to be this whole new great big thing. But when Get in they, line, folks. But when they actually published the research that they put forward on GPT-4, okay. it is astounding in the scariest of ways. Why? GPT-4 has passed basically every exam in existence. And when I say exam, I mean the bar exam to become a lawyer. It passed with 90%. The LSATs, another lawyer exam, with an 88%. The GRE quantitative, 80%. Verbal this portion, is... 99%. Oh, what? The it verbal passed, portion? It passed every AP course exam, the SAT, the uniform bar exam, medical knowledge self-assessment program, code forces rating. It passed intro sommelier, theory knowledge, certified intro sommelier. sommelier, certified sommelier, theory Wait, knowledge. It tasted wine? Advanced sommelier, theory I'm knowledge. I'm sorry. Okay, obviously theory because it has no taste buds yet. And this is all from the GPT-4 white paper that they published on OpenAI's website. So if you want to read through and just see how advanced GPT-4 is compared to GPT-3, you can head to our Twitter. We've posted a link to it. You can see it there. This is very this chapter for so many reasons. And what's wild about it is like, yeah, of course, like you could make the argument GPT-4, which now runs ChatGPT, is of course connected to the internet. So 
So up to about 2021, it has access to the entirety of the internet. That's the language model that it was trained on. So you could make the argument, well, that's not as impressive as it seems because it's just cheating because it has all of this information effectively at its digital fingertips. Not so. Offline. You're telling me that it's doing a closed book exam? <laughs> According to Professor Ethan Mollick at Wharton, who studies innovation and startups, he posted on Twitter this past week, I'm seeing a lot of arguments to the effect of, but it cheats. As we saw with papers using GPT 3.5 and GPT 3 on various tests, GPT 4 passing these exams is not simply about knowing facts, but now also applying theory to novel situations, such as intro and advanced sommelier. Professor Mollick also adds one little caveat of a note. It should not go without saying that GPT-4 notably failed English composition AP examination. Really? Why? But that could have just been because of errors or shortcomings with the prompts being put into it. Because for what it's worth, it passed advanced sommelier theory with a 77%. Okay, it's interesting because it's not like perfect. It's not like superhuman. But it's it is superhuman. I know, but it's not it's not like it's not acing these tests. It's passing. Find a human who can take 34 of the world's major examinations and score average above an 85% on all of them. Okay. I don't I think will. they exist. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. Exactly. <laughs> And so with that, something that I thought was interesting, the founders of OpenAI said this past week, after all of this information had been published by them, they said the performance of GPT is alarming and concerning to them, and that it's also astounding to them as the founders of OpenAI, the company that is responsible for GPT-4, that there's no sort of government oversight into what can be and what is being done with regards to AI. Because the implications, if it can pass all of these examinations, having no real-world experience, but being asked to theorize about novel real-world scenarios, What's to stop it from executing a command to break into the CIA, to break into and rob every single digital crypto from every wallet it can find while crawling through the internet? So the founders of OpenAI are saying, yeah, this is obviously like a really big deal. We're really proud of it. But where are the guardrails? Because that shouldn't be up to us, the creators of this thing. That's fucking wild. So stand by. For the AI takeover, that is my big of true. Oh, this is going to be, it's, I mean. I can't wait to get into today's chapter. Same, but because it's crazy how applicable. Things are, yeah, yeah, no coincidences. Well, before we get there, Brett, that is big and it is seemingly true. Yeah. I mean, I guess stands to be determined if that was just sort of like a front loaded fluke. And if it's going to hold up to that as people keep using it, but it does appear that way and it makes me nervous. I'm excited by it, but it makes yeah, me nervous. No, it reminds me of like the gradualistic and the saltatory mm-hmm. models of mm-hmm. progress that we learn about in the three body problem early on, which also is going to come up in today's chapter. But it does feel like the rate at which the development of AI is accelerating and it advancing. It feels exponential. It may not be 
because I'm not a statistician, but it feels like it. It feels like it is opening up, yes, like huge questions in every corner of every part of society and industry and in the way that like the internet did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's truly no sector of life that eventually won't be touched by AI and its advances. Well, more to be revealed. Stay tuned on that. I'll bring you more as I know about it. Yeah. Let me know if I should invest in anything. I mean, <laughs> now's right? the time. I mean, stock market is low. <laughs> Everything's a huge dumpster fire. The government is like rushing to save any bank that suddenly can't find any of their money. But American college students, well, sorry, you borrowed money to go have a shot at getting a job that could pay you a living wage. We're not going to forgive that. Isn't that wild? Today, yeah, I mean, today I was showering and I suddenly like tapped into like just the amount of corruption and illogical decision making and crises and tragedies that just around us and humanity really does need a force greater than itself and outside of itself to help us do anything different because like yeah it's called alcohol we're doing all we can (laughs) and look at what we do no i know and i don't even drink alcohol but that was just a joke for all my booze bags out there listening you get it a force that greater than yourself to solve problems is called jack daniel Mm-hmm. Um, my good friend yeah, no. Jack my good friend Jack I did yeah I blacked in and then I was like you know what actually no I'm gonna go back to just thinking about counting my blessings okay your big if true big if true my big if true comes to us from one of my personal favorite websites archaeology dot no <laughs> hyphen truth dot biz dot, <laughs> dot chronology slash Pluto bracket Reptar. Yeah. <laughs> dot HTML slash net dash Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> but in actuality. In actuality, no. My favorite website. That's actually my second favorite website. My favorite website. Jezebel. No, no, no. <laughs> is BreitbartNews.com. <laughs> no, it's Popular Mechanics. Oh, yeah. We com. love them. I love the folks at Popular Mechanics, and this article comes to us from Tim Newcomb. Okay. And it was published just the other day, March 14th, 2023. Scientists now have the blueprint for an actual working wormhole. Oh, sick. Yes. And it's quite simple, actually. So there's this scientist in Bristol, okay, Hatim Salih, who is an honorary research fellow at Bristol's Quantum Engineering Technology Labs Ooh. and the co-founder of a startup called Dot Quantum, who published a paper in the journal Quantum Science and Technology expounding on his belief that there is an opportunity to build and develop something called counterportation. Okay. Have you heard about this? Yeah, but I not to be able to say anything about it. So I'm excited you're talking about this. So it's similar to teleportation, but okay. in teleportation we think, all right, I'm going to move this matter to a different location, right? Mm-hmm. Counterportation is like teleportation, but without the particles actually moving. Okay. Here is the difference, according to Sali. While counterportation achieves the end goal of teleportation, Mm -hmm. which is disembodied transport, it does so without any detectable information carriers 
traveling across space time. Okay. Are we talking like spooky action at a distance kind of thing? So obviously it's theoretical right now, but he does believe there's also a practical framework for exploring this. In order to realize counterportation, they have to develop a new type of quantum computer, which okay. also is very this week's chapter. Uh-huh. They have to build a quantum computer, an exchange-free one, where communicating parties do not exchange particles. Okay. So right now, no one knows how to actually build one of these, but he's still going to try. The goal is to physically build this type of computer, which is like a wormhole, where they can test whether or not this is possible. Basically, my understanding is that, you know, if... And Brett, please correct me if I'm wrong here. Or chat GPT-4. If a computer is like, you know... It sends information via particle, right? Mm-hmm. Electricity, specifically. Electricity, yeah. yeah, which is a particle or a wave. Depends Particles. on it. Depends on how you look at it. It depends on which slit it's going through and who's watching. But something is being sent physically through space time uh-huh. to a, another receiver, right? That's why we have fucking fiber optic cables at the bottom of the ocean. Right. That's how our internet works. So the idea is to develop this same exact thing without the need for these cables. Okay. Where basically we don't need to send something physical to the other location. Where somehow probably using quantum entanglement of some Mm -hmm. sort we are able to recreate let's say we're sending a human being through a wormhole it's not that we're actually going to send their body and i feel like this is right there with ai right like if you know if we are able to distill consciousness as separate from the corporeal state Mm -hmm. then we should be able to send consciousness through space time Without actually making it travel. That's crazy. Yeah, so that would be big, if true. Massive. You know, sort of like one of the... It's more like a semantic type thing about teleportation, more specifically, Mm -hmm. that like most science fiction either doesn't address or they just get wrong to teleport something. It's not just... I mean, yeah, it is sending matter from one place to another near instantaneously without physically picking it up and like moving it to this new location beaming it you could say but the method of delivery to get someone something from point a to point b requires the destruction of the matter going into point a so that matter already at point b can be reassembled exactly as the matter that walked into point a was before or the teleportation took place. Really? So every atom in every state that it was, upspin, downspin, quark, charm, that make up all the billions of atoms of the cells in our bodies, all the originals are destroyed and all the new one would ostensibly contain a perfect exact copy of the one that walked in to be teleported, but wouldn't necessarily have that realization that I'm now a copy and my original is now gone. Interesting. I mean, this feels like very counterportation as well, though, right? Like not actually moving. I feel like counter is probably based on that. Yeah, yeah. But that's just sort of like a little like, existential crisis about teleporting because like even if we had teleportation i don't know that i would do it because you don't want your atoms destroyed and recreated yeah like with the full knowledge that like original me doesn't exist anymore yeah 
God. I'm, it's bringing up so many quandaries. Like, you know how we like, like I'm just saying, say like we are testing a teleportation machine that does exactly that. And like, you know, we're using lab rats. Like you can't ask a lab rat, do you have the same consciousness that you had before? So then I could see it having to also like incorporate AI and creating some sort of like bionic rat Mm -hmm. that is part AI that is capable of telling us whether or not it's maintained, like retained its consciousness. Theorizing and understanding. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like I said, like the AI stuff that you were talking about, like it opens up so many possibilities. It's insane. It's it's the greatest tool and the most powerful weapon in existence, in my opinion. You're not wrong. And you know who else agrees? Trisolaris. It knows no bounds because its only bounds are those on the humans generating the prompts for it. Right. Brett. Allie. Together we'll be the greatest team there ever was. Glinda. I'm really excited for that movie, by the way. Wicked the movie? Yeah, it's a two-parter, which I think is kind of strange. But I haven't even seen the ad. It's coming. Well, it's not. They're not advertising. I think they're filming it still. Ariana Grande (gasps) as Glinda. (gasps) Cynthia Erivo as Elphaba. (gasps) Jeff Goldblum as the wizard. Are you serious? Oh, I'm dead serious. It's directed by John Chu of Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, my God. It's going to be so good. Yeah. It's a two-parter, though. So the first one's coming November of next year. We And the second part is coming Christmas Day of 2025. Dreams the way we planned them. Isn't that great? If we work in tandem, there's no fight we cannot win. Just you and I, Devon. Oh, my God. Michelle Yeoh is in it. Uh-huh. Literally everybody. It's like a, a cast of all casts. Obviously, Mark Platt as producer. It has to. Anyway. This with week. With that? Yeah, with, with that. This week, you're about to understand just how prescient this discussion on AI really is for the story. This week, it's a concept that, and you hit the nail on the head last week, Allie. I didn't really want to like give it away because you hadn't read it yet, but... What did I say? This week's chapter deals with the subject matter of a conversation that we've actually heard take place already between Ding Yi and Wang Miao after the interrogation of Ye Wenji concluded. Remember, and they're standing on the other side of that two-way mirror, and Ding is having this like full-blown meltdown about dimensions and like how things exist at higher states of dimension, but they're much smaller. And like, you know, like he's having that whole breakdown for Wang. And Wang's like, you're going to have to tell me what the fuck you're talking about or I'm not going to be able to sleep, basically. And Ding's like, let's just go drink. We're just bugs. Let's just accept that we're bugs and like have happy little bug lives. And that was the end of that chapter. I forgot about that entirely. This week, we are talking about a thing so powerful and at times so small and at other times so massive. Chapter 33. Trisolaris Sophons. Start. Two, one. Booster ignition and liftoff of the space. You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and this week, I really hate to break it to you, but AI has finally reached singularity. No, not GPT-4, not Dolly. This AI knows all. It sees all. And its name is Sofon. Energy unit reporting. 
systems go. Coding unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. So this chapter, Brett, picks up 8.6 years after that shit went down with Princeps. You may remember from last chapter. Listener 1379. Sending out that warning message uh-huh. and being told, you know, okay, we're not going to kill you, but we are going to kill everyone else responsible <laughs> right. for your employment. You can be the kindling. And the Tri-Solarian fleet has actually been completed and now been in space for about two Earth years. Oh, okay. And they know the direction of their target, but they still have not calculated their distance because they have not received a message back. Right, makes sense. Could be millions of light hours away or at the other end of the galaxy. Well, today is the day they find out just how far this civilization is. From Trisolaris. Oh boy. Princeps calls a special meeting of the consuls underneath the Pendulum Monument. That actually did it does exist on Trisolaris. It's one of the few objects in the three-body game that really did exist on Trisolaris. Oh. The chaotic era is still going. So like the Trisolarian consoles are quite confused by the choice of meeting spot. Yeah. You know, like it's pretty cold. There's a very small sun over the horizon which could set at any moment. Everyone's in electric heating suits. Ooh, cool. Which gives us more information about like what they're like. And the more I read this chapter, the more I was like, oh, they're actually not that different from us. Mm-hmm. Like, we know they have eyes, you know. Uh, we know that they Holes, have a Holes, as you said last week. <laughs> we know that they mate with each other. Mm-hmm. And we know that they, like, can't keep warm. Like, you know, they don't actually have, like, the ability to, like, grow fur. Like, they're wearing electric heating suits. Yeah. So the pendulum is swinging through the cold air. It's a magnificent sight. And when Princeps gets up onto the platform, he flips a red switch. And the pendulum is turned off. Okay. begins to come to a halt. And he announces, I have shut off the power to the pendulum. What is the meaning of this? Asks the consuls. He says, the historical significance of the pendulum is to hypnotize God into rest. Uh But Trisolaris needs God to be awake now more than ever. For now, God is blessing us. And everyone's like, what? Everyone's kind of like, what's going on? Yeah, in a chaotic era? Yeah, what do you mean blessing us? Also, like, interesting they're referring to the gods, you know? They do have some idea of a god, if not relationship to one. Yeah, like everywhere consciousness goes, mythology does too. Whatever that means for, yeah. Yeah, and in, like, the simulation of the three-body game back when they were, like, in their, like, stone age or whatever, even though, like, they weren't necessarily worshipping, like, gods as, like, we under, like, you know, what the Chinese idea of a god or whatever, the Christian idea of a god, like, they do have an idea of a god. And exactly as yeah. you said, like, 
where civilization goes, so does a belief in a possible higher power. Yeah, that's wild. Everyone's silent. Someone asks, has Earth responded to our message? Princeps, proud, but trying not to show it, of course, announces, indeed, one half hour ago, we received a response to the warning, which checks out. This means that the Earth is only 40,000 light hours from us. That means it is in the closest star system to us. And that is why it is a blessing from God. Got it. Everyone gets excited. You can feel like people are, you know, like, wow. But also stifling all their emotions, uh-huh. right? Per the Trisolarian ethos. Princeps says, I have already directed the Trisolarian fleet to angle toward the star. However, do not be excited, dear Trisolarans. Things are not as good as you would think. We must manage expectations here. Given what we know, the fleet is sailing toward certain death. Oh, God. Brett, why do you think? I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking like maybe one of two things. Maybe they know of another intelligence on the way that they're like afraid of. Mm, Good guess. Or because they didn't know how long it would take them to get there, maybe they think by the time they get there that like maybe it would have been enough time for humans to prepare or something so that it wouldn't be like as easy of a takeover. You're not far off with the second guess. Okay, okay. Tell me. So get this. Obviously, they have received lots of information now Uh in in the follow-up message from the humans. Or also in the initial message, right? Because it was like, here's a whole bunch of stuff about the whole Yeah, like where we are, what it's like here, like all of it. And actually, it is the history of the Earth that is the most alarming. Okay. Not because, you know, we're warlike, but the princeps says, after studying the messages from Earth, here is what... We know about their history. Humans took over 100,000 years to go from the hunter-gatherer age to the agricultural age. Okay, right. Humans took a few thousand years to go from the agricultural age to the industrial age. Ah, okay, I see where this is going. Humans took about 200 years to go from the industrial age to the atomic age. Mm-hmm. And a few mere decades to go from the atomic age to the information age. So they are scared, scared. I literally have chills. (laughs) Like when you kind of put our advancement in context and you see like actually we are advancing at an exponential rate. Yeah, it's pretty astounding. It's astounding. It's like, wow, okay, actually kind of like sick. Humans, like we're, we're on track, especially with what we're talking about with AI. That's why I was like, oh shit, this is exactly it. Yeah, whoa. I was just talking about like mine, but that's crazy. Things are snowballing. Yeah. And basically, Princeps says, the humans have a terrifying ability to accelerate their progress. This is nothing compared to the time it has taken on Trisolaris to make progress in science and technology. 4.5 million Trisolaran hours from now, when the Trisolaran fleet finally arrives at Earth, Their technology 
will have long surpassed ours. Yikes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. 400 years from now? Yeah. I mean, you think about it. it. Like, if you had shown an iPhone to Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, it would have put them into a coma. I mean, yeah. People love that hypothetical, right? Yeah. Things that would shock, you know, the oldies. Antibiotics, <laughs> even. You know, like, even, yeah. even like the smallest of our advances 200, 300 years ago would have sent people into fits because they would believe it to be witchcraft or forget about it yeah 400 years from now like it's it's a lot of time to make a lot of advancement a lot of fucking advancement yeah gpt 5000 at that point literally the princeps continues in all likelihood half of the trisolaran fleet will be destroyed by one of the two asteroid belts they must pass through and by the time they arrive the ships that remain will be at the mercy of a much more powerful civilization. Yeah, yikes. This is far from an expedition. This is a funeral procession Mm. for our Trisolaran fleet. Oh, damn. They are on their way to their certain funeral. A consul is like, well, if that's true, then the consequences would be worse than Princeps interrupts. Yes, that's right. They know our location. They will certainly counterattack. And possibly before the sun even swallows up this planet, we will be extinguished by the humans. Right? If they got there 450 years from now and humans have advanced 450 years, then, you know, we might have the technology to go fucking to Trisolaris and extinguish who's ever left. Or not even have to go, but send whatever weapon that we're going to use. Yeah, I mean. Exactly. The possibilities, mama. The possibilities are endless. I mean, this is such a tables are turning chapter where you realize, like, the Trisolarans are scared and do not, like, are actually not as advanced as the humans have the promise to be. Right, yeah. Their ceiling is humanity's floor. Exactly. Like, we think they're a far more advanced civilization, but actually we are advancing at a much faster rate, yeah. partially because we live in a fucking, we live in the Goldilocks zone where yeah. we don't have to fucking dehydrate for... We can do whatever we want you know. at any point, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The Princeps announces the imperative. What we must do is contain the progress of science and technology on Earth, and we already have a plan to do so. The message we received comes from a traitor on planet Earth, and we have reason to believe there are more like them, other alienated forces who we can exploit to our benefit. But how? The science console describes the first part of this plan. He says, We exhibit supernatural forces to Earth and emphasize the negative effects of progress. We fabricate miracles, create illusions that cannot be explained by science, and in doing so we make Trisolaris a possible target of religious worship. We make unscientific ways of thinking dominate the scientific way of thinking among human intellectuals and collapse the entire system of scientific thought. They say, you know, if we apply certain technologies that are above the current human level and expose them to the alienated forces on Earth, we could convince them that we are like gods. Yeah. But this is not enough, says one of the consuls. I mean, this certainly will not be enough. I mean, just because you create some religious zealots on Earth doesn't mean you're going to stop the advancement of their science and technology. And the princeps says, no doubt, you're right, that won't be enough. To completely inhibit scientific progress on Earth, we must limit the advancement of basic science. 
which begins with the exploration of the deep structure of matter. Mm. And he says this is true of any civilization that Trisolaris wants to conquer. He says that they had begun this work even before receiving the communication from Earth. They had already put into work a plan to limit any civilization's ability to explore the deep structure of matter. And what do we know about Earth today? We don't understand the deep structure of matter. Yeah, I mean, we barely understand existence. Exactly. We barely agree on what life means yeah true the princeps says look up you see that and in the sky above them there is this ring in space with this metallic glow okay and it's not like that far away it's just kind of like in their atmosphere okay someone thinks maybe it's a dock for the next trisolarian fleet but in fact it is a large particle accelerator oh shit devoted to none other than project Sofon. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Project Sofon aims to transform a proton into a super intelligent computer. An AI, if you will. One of the consoles is like, what the fuck kind of science fiction is this? I've heard of physicists manipulating nine of the 11 dimensions of the micro scale world, but we can't imagine how they could actually stick a pair of tiny tweezers into a proton to build large scale circuits. Yeah, because I mean, that's what I meant. That's what Ding Yi was talking about with Wang after the interrogation, like a proton, much like the filter in a cigarette or the filter in in a tobacco pipe is a three-dimensional structure that within inside it contains exponentially more two-dimensional space contained inside this tiny, tiny little filter. So, I mean, yeah, so like a proton, it's like the inside of a proton is not empty. There's tons of stuff in there. We just have no way of meaningfully knowing or doing anything about it or with it. And part of that is because, and I think we talked about this on an early episode, where we were talking about, okay, like, what are the dimensions? Mm -hmm. and what does it look like to be a two-dimensional creature, right? Yeah. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson had that great video that we watched where, like, a three, like a two-dimensional being would have no way of seeing a three-dimensional being. Right. And, like, a three-dimensional being could, like, literally go in and, like, make something disappear, and the two-dimensional being would have no understanding as to, like, how it happened. Or where possibly um, it could have gone. Yeah, like... Like anything about it. If a if a sphere, I mean Flatland, this comes back to Flatland, yep. literally the invention of the like the first mention of different dimensions where this sphere comes to visit Flatland and he looks like a circle. Mm -hmm. Because in flat in a two-dimensional space, a sphere is gonna look like a circle because yeah. they don't have depth. So the same is true for a proton. According to this chapter, a proton is an eleventh dimensional object. Okay, yeah. And the reason it is so hard for us to see it is because we are th in the third dimension right yeah so if you put an 11 dimensional object in the third dimension it's going to look three-dimensional but you're actually not going to see the other eight dimensions the other eight dimensions yeah. in the same way that a you know square wouldn't be able to see the depth of a cube right doesn't mean that cube doesn't have that dimension Ooh, it hurts my brain yeah and so this is the first talk of there being 
11 dimensions. Got it. And the agricultural console is like, you know, so I've heard of, I've heard of, you know, our ability to manipulate nine of the 11 dimensions on the micro scale, you know, manipulating a proton. But like, how could we program something so small? Yeah. Right? That's I mean, a lot of you, tiny components. Right? Like we can build computers pretty small, yeah. but not quantum i mean i've seen people at the venice boardwalk writing names and like painting portraits on like a grain of rice right (laughs) well i also think of like did you ever see halt and catch fire yeah yeah yeah. lee pace i remember like the soldering that they fucking did of like circuit boards like that is essentially what all technology is right like they want to do that inside a proton is that what you're telling me yes inside of a fucking proton (laughs) got it okay okay of course says princeps etching a micro integrated circuit into a proton would be impossible that could only occur on the macroscopic scale and only on a macroscopic two-dimensional plane Uh uh-huh so we must unfold a proton into two dimensions got it whoa so people are like all right well how big would the area be of the proton once it's unfolded into two dimensions and the science console says huge as you will see So they complete the construction of this huge particle accelerator in the atmosphere and they begin the project without any further ado of unfolding a proton into two dimensions in synchronous orbit around Trisolaris. It's a mild, stable era day when everyone gathers beneath the Pendulum Monument once again. Hard to believe it was ever in motion, this giant fucking rock, now that it's perfectly still. And the science console gives the order to unfold into two dimensions. Up in space, these three cubes are like drifting around a ring. Like this is what the particle accelerator looks like. The fusion generators that power the accelerator, I guess, are these cubes. Uh These cubes, these fusion generators start to heat up and glow with a dim reddish light. Okay. And everyone's watching and it's not really clear whether something's happening. About a tenth of a trisolarian hour later, the science console holds up his earpiece and it's listening for word from, you know, whoever in the operations center. And then he says, Princeps, I have bad news. The unfolding failed. Oh, no. I mean, it is their first time. It is. Kind of expected. He says, they accidentally reduced the proton a dimension too far. Oh, no. (laughs) made it one-dimensional. Wait, what does a one-dimensional proton look like? Great question. So it basically looks like an infinitely thin line that is 1,800 light hours long. What? Okay. Can you even see that? They can see it only because it is reflective. This almost like field is reflective. Sounds like a nanomaterial. Totally. The military console's pissed. He's like, we spent all of these resources meant for another fleet on this, and it failed. The crowd disperses. They're super disappointed. But the experiment is not over, and also this like unfolded proton is not going anywhere. First of all, the entire thing still weighs... You know the weight of a proton. The weight of a proton. That's so crazy to me. It's. I mean, it makes sense, but that's nuts. It's floating. Yeah, and even though it's 
infinitely thin under the influence of gravity, this super long, thin, one-dimensional proton, which is literally a line yeah, without a second dimension. It has no width, you guys. You have to understand. It is only length. That's craziness. No width. Craziness. It's just glistening like these this tiny sparkling thread and they start to like break up into little pieces over time and kind of like brush past people and the princeps is like disturbed by it and he thinks they're kind of itchy but this is purely psychological because again all of these strings added together still have the mass of a single proton and really have no effect in the macroscopic world it's as if they don't exist but you can kind of see it that's crazy just I'm because it's reflective like really tiny like vintage christmas tree tinsel or something yes totally and as time goes on like this strand of one-dimensional proton breaks into smaller and smaller pieces until you can no longer even see the glistening light but the truth is that little these little strings that have like disintegrated will drift in the trisolaris atmosphere forever Oh, God. <laughs> so that's not going anywhere. But it's fine. About 50 trisolarian hours later, which is about... <laughs> 27 and a half minutes. <laughs> it's less than that, right? Yeah. They make their second attempt to unfold the protons into two-dimensional space. Okay, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. This time, of course, it fails again. And they accidentally unfold it a dimension too high. Okay. They unfold it only up to the third dimension. And what this looks like is these giant, reflective, geometric solids in the sky. Okay. Spheres, tetrahedrons, what? cubes, cones, and they appear to have like really complex colorings, but the truth is they're colorless and they're really actually just reflecting it's the distorted image of Trisolaris. Because they're they're like mirror-like. Got it. Okay, whoa, sick. They're just very reflective. It just has a reflective property, but no... No inherent color. Yeah, whoa. Exactly. These giant shapes still have a collective mass of one proton. So they're all drifting away from the accelerator and slowly beginning to like deform and lose their shape as if like melting. And soon everyone's kind of disturbed because they begin to look like trisolarian eyes. Oh, no. And there's no description of what the, the eyes on Trisolaris looks like, but we are told, you know, rest assured that they are able to recognize these shapes as eye-like. Oh, no. I thought it was very weird that a, pr- I mean, like, kind of creepy to think that, like, a proton in the third dimension would turn into an eye. It makes me think of, have you ever seen on the internet, like, sometimes they get put into memes or, like, creepy core kind of videos on TikTok, but, like, biblically accurate representations of angels from the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Like, the way in the Bible that they're described is looking like wheels that are covered with eyes. Oh. And that's what I'm seeing when I think about this. That makes a lot of sense. 
That's creepy, dude. I love that. But obviously, they're not real eyes. They just look like eyes. Sure, yeah. And actually, the eyes are now like kind of clumping together and making one giant eye. No, see, hard pass. And the giant eye creates this, you know, as it comes together, it's still like very reflective. Uh And it's creating this like cone where it's causing all of this uneven heat distribution, which is causing tornadoes and fireballs begin to appear at different parts of the of this like mirror and there's like these cracks and eventually like the cone that has been created falls apart and these like little spaceship kind of garbage trucks like tugboats collect all of the like chunks of remaining third dimensional proton whoa which is very easy because again weighs as much as a proton yeah so it's all like of collecting them. yeah it's like collecting vapor you know so they made a demon yeah on their second try princeps is like how complex can the internal structure of a subatomic particle be hmm and the science console is like, well, it depends on the number of dimensions from which the observer's point of view is. Basically, from a one-dimensional perspective, a proton's internal structure is just going to be a singular point because that is its only measurement of dimension. Literally, I'm having deja vu to Ding Yi and Wang Miao right now. And it's kind of like how we think of particles in the third dimension. Because we are 3D beings looking at 11th dimensional objects, a proton is going to look like a tiny speck with maybe length, maybe width, maybe depth, but that's all we're going to be able to see. Wow. He says, from a fourth dimensional perspective, a fundamental particle, such as a proton, is an immense world. And as we move to a higher dimension, the complexity and the number of structures within that particle increase dramatically. From an eighth dimensional perspective, a particle is as vast as the fucking Milky Way. And when our POV shifts to the ninth dimension, a particle's internal structure is like a whole universe. Higher than that, we can't even imagine the degree of complexity. That's crazy, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, and I feel like this is the closest I've come to really understanding the quantum realm yeah the princeps follow-up question is well does the microcosmos if you're telling me that like like we're only seeing a small portion of the actually insanely complex internal structure inside of a proton the princeps is like well does the microcosmos contained within the particle contain intelligent life Right? If, if as above, so below. I mean, why not? Well, it depends how you define life, says the science console. It certainly contains intelligence, but intelligent life? You'll have to tell me what you mean by life. Oof. You better not accidentally unfold this proton into four dimensions next, says the princeps. Oh, God. And the science console is like, oh, that would be fine. I mean, a proton unfolded in the fourth dimension would be much smaller than it is in the third dimension. It can be destroyed just the same. But what about if a proton is unfolded into zero dimensions, says the princeps. Zero. Yeah. So imagine taking a proton and unfolding it into zero dimensions where it has no length, No width, no depth, no dimension, just infinite density. The entire mass of a proton 
would be contained into singularity. Uh-huh. A thing with no dimension. Its density would be so high it would form a black hole. And that would be fucking terrible. Uh, because yeah. it would, if God forbid, it fell onto you know our planet, oh, it would no. suck everything into it. But don't worry, that's exactly why we chose a proton to unfold and not a neutron to avoid that exact risk. You see, the charge of a proton would also be carried over into the zero dimension. Okay. So we could still capture and control it using electromagnetism. Oh, okay. Great. Yes. If we were to unfold a neutron, we'd be fucked. All right, says the princeps. How likely are we to succeed on the third go? Almost 100%, says the science console. How close is almost? All right, well, let's go then. And if you fail, says the princeps, all scientists working on Project Sofan will be guilty. And you know what that means. And it says that if they could perspire, the Trisolarian scientists, on this project would be sweating in their boots. Oh, jeez. But I guess they can't sweat. More information on what they do and do not look like. So they clean up the 3D remnants of the uh, proton. And the princeps has just one more question before they finally attempt a third unfolding into the second dimension. He asks, did we destroy a civilization in the microcosmos during this experiment? Oh, fuck. Well... It was at least an intelligent body. We did destroy an entire microcosmos, so we probably destroyed more than one intelligence. Oh, in the God. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily life, but intelligence. The science console says, of course, you know, at such microscopic scales, that form of intelligence or civilization or life is completely beyond our understanding. They are something else entirely. And that type of destruction has probably taken place many times before. I mean, think about how many protons in the history of scientific process have been smashed together. How many neutrons? How many electrons? I mean, if all of these contain microcosms, then every collision must have been the collapse of tons of civilizations and intelligences in a microcosm. Yeah, like innumerable. Yeah, and even in nature, it's happening every second. You're not feeling sentimental about this are you (laughs) who says that (laughs) (laughs) me i think the science console says it to the princeps and the princeps is like me sentimental no i will however alert the propaganda console i will have him transcribe and reproduce what you have just told me and distribute this scientific fact to the whole world the people of trisolaris must understand that destroying civilizations is a common and natural occurrence It happens every second of every hour of every... Well, (laughs) we don't have days on Drysolaris. It will encourage them to look at the destruction of Earth with peace. He also reveals that they have discovered many like the listener at Post 1379. Trisolarians with sympathy for Earth. Emotions. Emotion. Longing. Weakness. They believe this is mostly because of the messages received from Earth. In fact, on Trisolaris, there are citizens who believe that Earth is like heaven. And just like redemptionists on Earth believe that Trisolaris is their god. Wow. There are Trisolarians that believe Earth is their god. So really, like, the big reveal about Trisolaris so far is, like, it's exactly the same as Earth. 
And this is of great danger. So the princeps says we must strictly control the flow of information from Earth to the population, especially cultural information. Aliens, they're just like us. <laughs> Literally. Well, here's hoping the third time's the charm, am I right? Fingers crossed, if they have fingers on Trisolaris. Well, by the time the Trisolarans were ready to unfold this proton again, 30 hours later, nighttime had fallen... So I'm thinking immediately, like, well, at least there's no threat immediately of, like, the demon mirror showing back up and, like, obliterating with this, like, magnifying glass situation that it turned on them last time. Right. Not too long after the particle accelerator had been engaged, the science console made the announcement. Mission success. And I imagine they would cheer if they felt anything. Yay. <laughs> To the Trisolarans on the ground, staring upwards, at first, there was nothing to see. So they're like, mission success. But then out of nowhere, the cosmos separated in two, appearing as circles set against the night sky. Two dimensions! What at first appeared as sort of this cosmic magic eye illusion situation up in the sky above them, soon revealed itself to be sort of like if you had two photographs of the universe and then stacked them on top of each other so it almost looked like this double exposure thing that was happening that they could see with their eyes like they, it was so big they didn't even need like additional observation equipment it just looked like the sky had been double exposed hmm. in the sky the triasolarans could see constellations that should not have been visible to them from their side of the planet mm -hmm. the center of one of these circular illusions started to grow and expand its size so also now i'm thinking like fuck maybe i take back what i said about demon mirror it's just a good thing that it's that it's nighttime as the people on the ground tried desperately to understand how they could be seeing constellations that were normally hidden from them something else happened along the edge of this expanding sky illusion situation part of a sphere appeared and then this made me think of i'll connect the dots here in a second but did you ever like we're children of the 90s when the internet was introduced, did you ever have to use dial-up internet? Okay, so you know. Isn't that what it sounds like? <laughs> exactly. I love that sound. So this sphere that's appearing up in the sky, the Trisolarans couldn't see it all at once. It's almost like they were seeing a graphic that's loading like they're using dial-up internet. It's going line by line, pixel by pixel, literally rendering itself into existence in front of them crazy everyone on the ground recognized what they were seeing the familiar landscapes the swirls of cloud a new second trisolaris had appeared in the sky a perfect copy of the original what then the sky got brighter the other circle now began transforming itself as it expanded revealing another sun so like i guess now it's quad solaris okay an exact copy of the sun that's shining over the real Trisolaris, just at this point on the other side of the planet because they're in nighttime weird then someone on the ground figured it out oh my god it is a mirror wait did we do it again i thought they said mission success 
what's going on here? What appeared as a mirror was actually this time the proton being unfolded, taking the form of a geometric plane with a depth that was so meaningless, it was negligible to even quantify it. So it's just length and width. It's it's literally just like a sheet. And no depth. And no depth. I love that. I love like some, like I just love one dimension being so so infinitely small that it's negligible yeah and literally defines that dimension it's measured as null yeah with the unfolding of this proton now finished the entirety of trisolaris's sky had been replaced by this mirror massive in size the trisolarans in the ground now enjoyed a completely different view of the cosmos purely from the size of this mirror alone. Then things go a little squirrely. (laughs) Towards the horizon line, the science console notices the reflected stars appear like they're melting and stretching and twisting in ways that nature should not allow them to be doing. Trisolaris's gravity was bending this mirror and threatening its structural integrity. So they're like, great, we unfolded it. We have like figured out how, at least how to unfold it into a dimension that makes sense for what we're going to try to do. But, oh God, now our planet is about to literally snap it into pieces. This is not good. So to counteract the gravitational effects of the planet, the scientists sent beams of electromagnetic energy up towards the mirror, sort of like adding an internal scaffolding or a skeleton on the inside of it to help it hold its shape and to keep it from collapsing under the attraction of the planet. Wow. Their plan at this point that we learn is to wrap this mirror as it continues to grow in size around the entirety of the Trisolaran planet. And then once that happens, the electromagnetic support beam skeleton thing that they're holding up on the inside of it will keep the shell in place, effectively acting like spokes inside a wheel so that they can just, you know, hold it up the way that they need to. But wait, why, you might ask? Well, with the proton unfolded into a space that fully encircles a planet, Trisolarans now have the ability to etch onto the physical surface of this proton circuits, which we know are essential for any functioning computer. Insane. But imagine the sight, though. I mean, like, the mirror took a very, very long time to fully wrap around the planet. And by the time it did, and those last rays of the Trisolaran sun could sneak past it, every reflection of the surface of the planet looked like a funhouse mirror that had, like, dropped acid or taken mushrooms. It was all just, like, wobbly, wavy, crazy reflections of the entire planet, but now as your atmosphere. Wait, so, sorry, this is, like, just a visual question. So one side of the unfolded two-dimensional proton is reflecting the stars, and one side is reflecting the surface of Trisolaris. Rewind. So initially, what it looked like up in the sky are these two circles that are stacked on top of each other. And And in the sky, they see a reflection of the night sky that's behind them right like we're looking out over north america but like effectively behind us is got it got it so they would see the sky they wouldn't see normally but then when it becomes a sphere and it starts expanding and wrapping itself around the planet they just see reflections of themselves down on the surface got it say no more oh and by the way 
with this mirror circling the planet now, the entire cosmos has been blocked from view. The mirror completed its expansion, and the planet sank into the darkest night in Trisolarian history. And what do we know about Trisolarian weather? Well, with the darkness comes... Comes the cold? Bitter cold. Blistering cold. Not actually unlike the cold nights that correspond with the vision of the three flying stars, the frozen flying stars. So out of safety and an abundance of caution, most of the Trisolarans dehydrated. The rest, who stayed on the ground, wore the protective heating suits. And the only visible lights were those from these little tugboat ships flying around in the atmosphere, etching these circuits into place onto the proton's two-dimensional surface. Cute. We need more, like, atmospheric hoverboards. It seems very, like, simple. I know. Well, that's also, like, what puts us in, like, the timeline that lines up with, like, Wally. you know? So I feel like we're not super far from that. Yeah. Something crazy that we learn here, the ships that are doing the actual etching, you know, to build these circuits of the supercomputer onto the proton, normally when a circuit is made, it's all different materials. It's it's metals, it's plastic, it's precious metals metals because gold is a really good conductor but because the trisolarans are working on a circuit that technically shouldn't even exist in the macro they have to use material that is physically made of the proton itself wow so here's where it gets crazy you're like here's where it gets crazy like that's pretty nuts but like here's where it just like flies off the rails instead of making a normal circuit how we would think of it inside of a computer the trisolarans physically start manipulating the proton's interaction with the strong nuclear force so that when Mm. the proton is inevitably folded back down to actual size yeah it would be fundamentally changed and effectively coded to act as a computer would just now existing inside the confines of a proton fucking crazy nuts like absolutely nuts they've like programmed like little sleeper agents basically they've taught it's almost like i mean i imagine it's like not unlike putting a like a brain inside a proton right like etching synapses and like for lack of a better word like nerve endings on the outside right. of this proton that they're just gonna like condense back down into size over fifteen thousand trisolarian hours go by and with the help of thousands of spaceships all flying around and etching this proton circuit board, the work was completed. It took them a little while to debug the software inside this proton. I still can't really get over that, that they're like writing software inside like a physical particle that they have expanded to planetary size. But once all the debugging was done, they were finally ready to test their Sophon. So in the control room, a display screen showed the progress of a self-test sequence that was taking place. As it climbed in value and when it finally reached 100%, the screen rebooted and displayed the text. Microintelligence 2.0 loaded. Sophon 1 ready to accept commands. And here's where I was like, this feels like GPT-4, but like inside a particle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like you don't have to interact with it through a fucking laptop. You can interact with it directly on a much smaller. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Science console says, Princeps, our Sophon has been born. We have infused a proton with wisdom. The Sophon is the smallest form of artificial intelligence we're able to create. The scientists at this point 
point, give the Sofon some commands, very like if we were talking to ChatGPT or Midjourney or something. And then it folds itself up from two dimensions into three, then four, then five, and then six dimensions. When the Sofon reached that sixth dimension, it had an awareness so acute it could see the organs inside all of the trisolarans on the ground. Of course. It could even see the organs inside their organs, which galaxy brain. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? I mean, in terms of humanity, what is a human body but a collection of microorganisms that evolved to live together as a massive colony? Right. And if like we are, sorry, it's still in the second dimension or was it folded up? At this point, it's reached the sixth dimension where it got has it, this it. awareness it's... of like organs inside of organs. Right, right. It's a, at a higher dimension than we are. Yeah. And it's the same as like if we look at a piece of paper, we can see inside the square you know what i mean i mean yeah the whole reason that it can do this goes back to what we talked about in the episode the shooter and the farmer we can only see what we see because it exists in the same level of dimensionality that we do like this proton now inhabiting six dimensions is like the shooter observing those two-dimensional dot people in flatland like it has an awareness that is so much more vast than anything that people in flatland can comprehend just by nature of it inhabiting a higher state of dimensionality Ugh. it makes me want to like be a six-dimensional creature just yeah, so like, right? oh but obviously you probably wouldn't even have that sort of sense of like whoa because it would be all you knew yeah with the process for creating a sofon now down to an exact science the trisolarans set out and successfully create three more of them and so now as the trisolarans have their weapon at the ready they have their plan in place they decide to launch two of these sofons at the earth so that when they arrive there the plan is they will seek out and find the most powerful particle accelerators they'll go inside them because they're particles they'll fuck around with the computers so that they give inaccurate results of the experiments happening inside of them and really the genius part of all of this is that once the sofons enter these particle accelerators and are inevitably smashed by whatever experiment is taking place, more sofons would be born from the resulting particle collisions, which would be perfect copies of the sofons which went in, so that these new sofons would still retain the commands given to the original ones, and so after being born in the particle accelerators on Earth, they would go off and seek out the next particle accelerator, enter it, fuck with the computers, give inaccurate results, replicate and then those would go out and do the exact same thing and i was just like this feels like a virus no yeah since each of these sofons is basically infinitely able to self-replicate it would be easy and quick work for trisolaris to halt all the scientific progress on earth while the fleet made its way across the cosmos but going back to what the princeps said about creating miracles how it's like they can't just be tricks like they have to be actually unexplainable visceral oh my god that's a miracle kind of situations these sofons would be able to manipulate physical space and cause phenomena that would have no scientific or logical explanation other than the supernatural like making numbers 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 in my eyes 
no, but numbers, numbers, numbers in my workplace. Yeah, appearing in photographs, on film rolls, or in people's retinas. Oh my god. Basically just making people, and specifically scientists, question what they think is possible. Yeah, and, and question... question the very nature of reality. Yeah. Do you remember, we talked about it one week, the Nobel Prize that was awarded last year, the one that talked about space not being real locally. Yep, yep. If you listening, if you missed us talking about that or if you didn't hear about it, just in a nutshell, that paper that won the Nobel Prize that came to the conclusion that space is not locally real effectively said that two particles can be quantum entangled and no matter the distance between them, they can remain connected effectively in real time so that a change on one will affect a change on the other near instantaneously. Right, without needing to like travel through space. Yeah, well, so here again, Xin Lu might be a prophet, I think, because since two of these sofons would be sent to Earth, the plan was the remaining two sofons would stay on Trisolaris and act as the link to ensure real-time communication between the two worlds, effectively acting like the Trisolarans' version of a spy bug that they sent to Earth, keeping them updated on just how effective the plan was once it was put into place and once those two actually arrived there. To take us back to, again, my favorite place in the world and all of these books and chapters. Yes. Back in the interrogation room. <laughs> Ye Wenji finishes reading about all of this information that you and I have been talking about up until this point. Because remember, the interrogator oh slid her all of these documents because they got back all of the messages that the Adventists had been sitting on and they compiled basically a dossier of their analysis of this data. And so she has just finished reading all of that. Jesus. And simultaneously, the Battle Command Center has just gathered for an emergency meeting. Before the meeting started, General Chang gave the announcement that everybody needs to be aware before we get started, we're probably already being monitored by Sofons. Oh my god. So as of now, General Chang says, no more secrets. They're going to learn everything anyway. Let's just speak plainly so that we don't confuse each other. It's not like anything on Earth had changed really physically anyway, but this uneasy feeling that they were constantly being watched watched by these like invisible eyes started to creep over every member of the battle command center from this moment on the feeling would never leave them and in fact we learned that it would actually take humanity as a whole a very long time to adjust to this new normal of an invisible eye communicating in real time across light years that could be with you at all times it could never be with you but the gag is you'll never know the fuck this could be happening right now three seconds after general chang gave his announcement trisolaris communicated for the first time with humanity outside of the earth trisolaris organization okay they also ceased all further communication with the adventists probably because you know can't trust them to keep your secrets anymore like at this point schrodinger's cat is fully out of the bag mm-hmm. for everybody in the battle command they're center, also dead well i imagine not all of them we know that judgment day was like probably the biggest collection of ETO members in 
in one place, but they have tendrils all over the planet. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. As we know, Evans did a lot of recruiting in that gap year. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone in the Battle Command Center, now they experienced the exact same phenomena that had plagued Wang Miao. A message instantaneously flashed into all of their eyes for just two <gasps> seconds. It was quick, just two seconds, and then it blinked out of existence. Just a single sentence. You're bugs. Trisolaris never sent another message. And that's the end of the chapter. Ominous and threatening. Your bugs. P.S. Your bugs. Yeah, right? Like, we're gonna squish you. Okay, here's my question. So this dossier mm-hmm. that they have compiled from all of the messages received from Trisolaris over the last whatever, while the Adventists have been sailing the deep blue sea. That means that Trisolaris told the Adventists about the Sophons? Yes. That seems wild. Do you think? Well, yeah. Isn't the whole point for no one to know about the Sophons? Well. On Earth? But the whole thing with the Adventists is they were, I mean, remember what they remember what they stand for. They stand for. Destroying humanity. Paving the way for Trisolaris to show up and carry out their plan exactly as they want to with as little to no interference as possible. Right. So really, like the fault with Trisolaris telling the information to the Adventists is not that they should have kept the information a secret from them, but it's more an error in judgment and thinking that forever the Adventists could keep this secret a secret. Very interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about it. It was a feat that Operation Gujang in the Panama Canal was thought of, was produced and engineered out and then like was successful like all of that is like stunning in the first place but like relatively if you boil it down to like what that was it's like that's the world's military using force to effectively stop a ship and gain intelligence right so right. like yeah. if that's all it took to like pull the rug out from underneath Trisolaris, they're basically standing there like i almost said with their dick in their hand but you know what i mean like they're standing there like embarrassed yeah. and now with far less of if if not none of the upper hand anymore i know that's why i find it shocking that they would reveal so much information to the adventists i think like- it was just the error in judgment and assuming that they could keep the secret information a secret from everybody else for forever because it took something as simple as stopping the ship right and who knows what the adventists told them about themselves to convince them that they were trustworthy and because now ostensibly and we'll see as this book very rapidly draws to an end but especially as we set up the next book the dark forest that single moment of operation gujang taking down the ship and also acquiring all of this really treasure trove of information sent to earth by the trisolarans it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy of an ouroboros snake eating its tail where it's like yeah the trisolarans want to keep humanity from progressing scientifically technologically but now by virtue of humanity knowing about what trisolaris is doing now there's this like cold war information technology arms race thing that's happening so like it's really setting the stage for what's coming next 
you know? Well, I have no idea what's coming next, and I am not going to read to the very end. You shouldn't. Don't spoil I will it. Not. So next week, I can't believe it's here already. I'm already kind of like missing it. And also like, what the fuck? We've already made it all the way through this book. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's not butter. And I can't believe this book is over. Yeah. But so next week, we are in our season finale. Diving head first into our season finale of book one. The three-body problem. And Allie is... We're going to have a little bit of a live finale reaction from Allie next week. Like a live ending finale. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Who knows what will come full circle? My dating life? This chapter? This book? All the above. Your arrival at singularity? Donald Trump's arrest? I mean, it's all culminating. I can't wait until we talk about that next week. Holy shit. Until then, the earth belongs to Tri-Solaris. Eliminate human tyranny. I'm Brett. I'm Allie. And it's been fun, but it's been a long one. So I'm done saying words. Thanks for riding with us. Till we die, baby. Approaching target planet in three, two. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.